Hello, good morning. Um, today's uh, verse is from Luke 11, 1 to 13. I'll give you some time to turn to it, or you can look up here. Um, all right. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Yeah. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? This is God's word. All right. Thank you, Josiah. Good morning, Cornerstone. Uh, welcome to our Sunday gathering as we worship our Lord today. So we're glad that you can join us and this is your first time, if it's the first time you've come in a while, we especially want to give you a warm welcome, and we hope that you experience God's love and presence here today as we worship together. So um, we are in this series called Bless, let me get this, and um, the Bless uh, series that we started last week is all about uh, the rhythms of disciple-making. What we mean by that is how we can bless others and share Jesus in the everyday things that we do, the everyday stuff of life. And so um, BLESS stands for blessing others, right? But it's also an acronym. And today we're starting with the letter B. So last week was an overview of this series. And this week we're going to start with the letter B. And the letter B is begin with prayer. So our topic for today is prayer. So what we'll do is look at what prayer is and how we are to pray and ultimately how it is an essential and crucial part of our everyday rhythms of disciple making. And actually making disciples truly starts with prayer. So with that, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence to be upon us as we look at this passage of the Lord's Prayer and as we uh, think about and reflect on what you desire of us in our prayers and how we can pray to you and how it affects us and those around us. And so Lord, show us how we can make prayer uh, a routine, a rhythm in our life so that it is not something that we feel burdened to do, but Lord, it is actually a joy to come to you in prayer. So God, help us. We need your help. We need your guidance. Speak to all of us 
in our circumstances, in our lives. May you bless this time, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So prayer has been a part of religious and spiritual um, life since the beginning of time. So people have always prayed. It's viewed as a certain posture before some type of God, some type of deity. That is what prayer is. So um, believing in a God has almost always existed in our society. And so in many ancient societies, prayer is closely related to the idea of supplication. And supplication is basically asking or begging for something in a posture of humility. So it's begging to somebody or someone uh, in humility for something that you need or desire, and usually that was to a god of some sort. So as long as there's been this idea or notion of a god, um, there's always been prayer in our society. And it's actually only in recent um, history where we have more and more tried to get the rid of the idea of God. So atheism is a very new idea compared to you know, all of human history. And people say because of science and, and because of our understanding of the world, um, the existence of God does not really need to really happen anymore. We don't need to believe in a God in our culture and society. Um, but for most of history, there has always been prayer where people ask God for help to bless them, to bring favor upon them. And Karl Marx, he is a philosopher um, who actually uh, began this idea of God really not existing. He's one of the first people who, who really believed that, and he believed that religion itself was, the, was only the result of human distress and suffering. And so basically, people believed in a God because they were suffering. And so basically, people believed in God and prayed to God because they could not find hope anywhere else. And I think to some degree he's right. That is why we do pray. Prayer is indeed a response to an inner need we have. But this inner need is not only, uh, is, is not only because of the suffering of the, as Karl Marx would put it, the proletariat and the oppression of the bourgeoisie, but it's actually because we all have this need for God. We all have this inner need for a God. And we all need God because we are created to worship him. So prayer is innate. It's something that we were actually created to do because it is worship, and we were all created to worship. And ultimately, of course, we're supposed to worship the one true God, but because of sin, we worship other things in our lives. And, and so this form of worshiping God is coming to God and asking for help. So let's see what the Bible tells us about prayer. What does the Bible reveal about prayer? Well, we can look at the Lord's Prayer that was read for us today, the prayer that Jesus taught us to give us guidance, and that is um, what we're going to look at to help us see what prayer is and how we are to pray. So let, let's start with that. Um, what is prayer and how we are to pray? So first, what we see is that prayer is giving praise and worship to God. It's actually the very first thing that Jesus teaches us to do. In verse 2, it says, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Hallow is another way of saying holy, which means set apart. And holy in Greek is uh, from the word hagiaso and has this meaning of purification or this meaning of consecration. Um, so it's about, it's about making things clean and, and pure. And consecration is about uh, declaring something to be special or sacred. And so that's why holiness can be summed up in the idea of being set apart, being so different but special, sacred, holy, better, perfect, and pure. And so the name of God is holy. That is what is implied here because the, and, and, and the name of God is holy because a name has deep meaning, especially in that society, the name represents your identity, right? So for us, maybe our names don't mean as much to us and we go by nicknames or whatever, but at that time, your name meant, oh, this is who you are, where you're from. So when we say, hallowed be your name, it is declaring God's name is holy. So we have this special God who is utterly holy, and we say, hallowed be your name. And so when we say, hallowed be your name, it actually means more that we pray for God to make his name holy. So it means we treat God's name with holiness and reverence. And we know that he is holy because of God's creation, his character. We know it's through sending his perfect son, Jesus, to die on the cross, who is God incarnate. And he has revealed his scriptures to us, his ho- the holy word of God that declares the truth of Jesus that we call the Bible. And God has made his name holy in so many ways, and he continues to do so. He continues to do so in many ways as well. So wherever God has revealed himself, he has revealed that he is, in fact, holy. But the reality is we have failed to make him holy. We have failed to make God holy because of sinfulness, because of our sin. And so we pray that we would see the holiness of God, that the world would see it, because his name deserves reverence, and it is worthy of our praise and, and, and our worship, and it is so special and so set apart. Hallowed be your name. So when we pray this, we pray acknowledging that God deserves all the praise and worship, for he is holy. Then we pray for God to help us see that he is holy and worship him as such to help us see it in our lives more and more, to not ignore that he is holy, to remember each and every moment that he is holy and that the whole world, all of creation would see that he is indeed holy because all of us are to worship him. All of creation is to worship him because he is worthy of it. So in turn, that means that prayer is rooted in what the word tells us about God. So it's rooted in the scriptures where his holiness is ultimately revealed. So that means we not only take our cues from scripture, but we pray according to who God is and how he is revealed. And we pray in response to that, in response to his character, in response to his love, his grace, and his faithfulness. So we pray through scripture, but we also pray in response to scripture and how We see his faithfulness, his love, and his grace, and we praise and worship him as a result. 
So this posture that we have before God is very important because when we have the heart and mind to praise and worship God in, in our prayer, then the rhythm of prayer, right, making it a rhythm of our life, it actually becomes a joy to come before him because prayer becomes both a way to commune with God and also encounter him. And we praise his glory and we experience the intimacy of his grace, which leads us to know the reality of his presence. And that presence leads us to see that prayer is indeed a privilege. So worshipful prayer is the only way we can really experience this encounter and communion with him. And actually, what we do on Sundays when we gather together, when we sing songs of praise to him, we are worshiping him, we are praising him, and when we praise and worship God in prayer, it becomes a privilege to do so. So even when we sing these songs, it is a, it, it is a prayer if we are doing it properly. We, it is a prayer to him. And so when we do this, it becomes a privilege to come before him and pray regularly, often, often in our daily lives. So in a way, prayer leads to more prayer because when we pray, we encounter him, we commune with him, and we experience him, and then that leads us to want to do it more and more. And we want to give more praise and worship to him. We're reminded more and more of how great he is and how amazing his presence is in our lives and what he has done for us on the cross. And it's a cycle that reinforces itself and it leads us to truly make prayer an everyday rhythm of life. J.I. Packer, a theologian, he once said this, that there is a place for silence before God after we have spoken to him while joy at God's love invades the soul. So when we pray, the joy of God's love invades our souls. That's a beautiful way to understand it. So practically, beginning with prayer is what brings, us, brings joy in us and moves us to live out these rhythms of disciple-making. Right? Because of this joy that is generated, prayer becomes something we, we do all the time, in the morning and afternoon and evening, and we, we do it intentionally, setting aside a few minutes a day to pray, but we also do it in the small moments of life, right? when we're driving or we're on a commute in the train or on the bus, when we're talking to our coworkers or friends, when we're online for something, it becomes a joy to be constantly in communion with God, to pray, and to give glory to him, to honor him. So um, to give an example, um, I'm, I'm Korean, and, and I grew up in a Korean church, and Koreans are known for having early morning prayer. And they do it as a way to model the way Jesus prayed, because we see in Scripture Jesus would go up into the mountains and pray early in the morning, and we see it right before his death, right? He, he prayed, um, and, and he was praying early in the early hours of the morning. And so Koreans really took this to heart, and, and they have daily morning prayer services, a lot of churches. And so they'd go to church at like 5.30, 6, 6 o'clock in the morning every day, and they'd start the day with prayer. And I really didn't care for this, obviously, when I was young. You know, no one wants to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, but I remember my dad, who would always find the strength to go and pray. And he would 
actually even before he would leave, so it would be like 5 in the morning, he would come into my room, wake me up, not intentionally, but, you know, when you're disturbing someone in their sleep, you're going to probably wake them up sometimes, and he would be praying for me. And I, I've shared this over the years before, but it is one of the most memorable, memorable things that I remember about my childhood, where my dad would intentionally come in and pray for me at 5 in the morning while, you know, I remember hating it initially because I was like, what are you doing, waking me up at 5 in the morning, right? But thinking about it now, I realize how special it was that my dad would take the time to pray for me, to, to want to do that, to begin his day praying to God and praying for me in particular. And he would also just go to church and pray. And, and at, at that time, it wasn't like he got to go to bed early and he had all this time to do this. He, he was an immigrant, so, and he owned a business, so you know, 12-hour workday, six days a week. And that was the life for many, many years for my family. And through it all, and through even though life was very, very difficult for us uh, financially, uh, stress of running a business, um, serving the church, um, being, you know, being a family, all of those challenges, uh, my mom and dad really both both always lived a life of joy, with a lot of joy, never really grumbling, never really complaining. And of course, again, there were many ups and downs of our life, and things were very stressful. And physically, I could tell it took a toll over the years. But um, he has told me on so many occasions how his faith in Jesus and how the fact that he came to know him, uh, and my dad came to know him later in life, uh, being able to pray and to, to come to him asking God for help each and every day, it really sustained him, and it really laid a foundation for the rest of the day to ask God to help him through whatever things may come. So even when life is hard, when we see the privilege it is to pray, to pray it becomes, again, a joy. It gives us joy. It gives us contentment. It gives us um, an understanding that God is with us, even though it is hard, even though we may be suffering physically, emotionally, we know that God is there. And it becomes a daily rhythm because we realize we need it. We need it. We need God to sustain us. So the second truth that we learn from our passage uh, about prayer comes from the second phrase, in the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us to ask for his kingdom to come. So in Matthew, we also see the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6, if you want to take a look later on. And this is expanded a little more, and it says to ask for his kingdom to come, to come and for his will to be done. In the Luke account, we see your kingdom come, but in Matthew, we see your kingdom come and your will be done. So what's revealing here is that prayer is about asking God's will to be done, which is for his kingdom to come, meaning that all would see and know that he is God through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the only way to enter the kingdom. That is what Jesus says in John 14, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So prayer is about asking God for things he has already promised. It's about his will being done. 
God prom- God's promises being fulfilled. God is in control of all things. And so when we pray to God, we are asking him to do things that are agreeable to his will and plan. So it's not so much about getting what we want in prayer. It's actually not about that at all. And it's not about God answering yes to all of our prayers. And so because of this, because they feel like, oh, if I pray, it's just for things that are agreeable to his will, why pray? Right? Prayer is pointless. God's will will already be done. We know this. God is sovereign, and he will make everything come to pass according to his will. So why, why pray? Why do we waste time doing this? Right? Why do we waste energy? Or does it even work when we pray? And I think some of us might feel this way, and maybe you don't think it's pointless, but you may feel like it really doesn't work. And that's why prayer is probably one of the hardest rhythms of our life. It's one of the hardest things to do each and every day. And because it's not really something that we have grown accustomed to do, it's not a part of um, just like living life on a normal day-to-day basis, it's something we have to actually intentionally do and think about doing. Um, and so for many Christ- Christians, we fail to, to do this, and we fail to see the fruit of prayer. We see this in verses 5 to 13, actually, of our passage for today. And so let me read uh, that, that part over for us really quickly. So it says this, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those ask him. Jesus is uh, addressing this concern that prayer may seem pointless. It's not like God won't respond to you in some way. He'll respond, and actually it'll be in a way that is ultimately good for you. This passage tells us God will respond. He will respond to you. He will get up. But it may not be what, is, what, what it is that you want, but it is what is good, ultimately good. And so prayer doesn't seem like it does anything. It seems like it doesn't work. And I know for some of us, we may have prayed earnestly, right? We may have prayed earnestly to God for good things. We, have prayed, we may have prayed for God to heal a loved one who ultimately passed away. And I know there's this one pastor named Garrett Kell. He once shared how God had said no many times in his life for good things. His wife had cancer, and he prayed for healing. And she was not healed. He prayed for his father-in-law to come to know Jesus before he died. And it seems like he never came to believe. And finally, he begged God to heal family members on numerous occasions for mental health issues. But those were never healed. 
as well. We don't always get what we want in prayer, even when we pray for supposedly good things. So then, why pray? Why do we do this? Because although at times God doesn't answer prayers in the way that we necessarily want, God is promising to give us something that is actually helpful to us. And God is promising good to us. And he actually does this through your prayers. And although God is in control of all things, he chooses actually to use prayers. And that's what he promises, that he will use your prayers and he will respond to your prayers and act on your prayers. And that's why prayer is actually kind of paradoxical in some ways. God is in control and has a perfect plan for the world, but at the same time, he still uses your prayers. God promises to give to you if you ask him. Bruce Ware, another theologian, he, he says it like this. He says, God has devised prayer as a means of enlisting us as participants in the work that he has ordained as part of the outworking of his sovereign rulership over all. The relationship between divine sovereignty and petitionary prayer can be stated by this word, participation. So prayer does change things to some degree, and we are called to participate in this activity. And there's a mystery to this. There is. We're not sure how this all works. It's hard to grasp in our minds. And, of course, that's part of the mysterious nature and work of our God. We can't fully understand God because we are just his lowly creatures and he is God. And so there's this distinction between us and we cannot fully understand his working. But we know that God works through our prayers. So we are to earnestly still pray because he has revealed that to us in his word. And if we actually think about it, our prayers cannot be the only way God moves because God is then taking his actions based on our prayers, the prayers of sinful human beings that do not desire to do things according to his will. So I think a a good analogy, a good way to think about this is to see God's work through prayer as a safety valve. So at home, we cook with an Instant Pot and, um, and sometimes we get a little greedy with it and we fill it up a little higher than the, the max line, right? So, and there's a max line because if it gets a little too high, um, it, it actually starts you know, spilling out and, and it, it could explode. So, uh, you know, we think it'll work, but most of the time it doesn't. And, and thankfully, though, there is a safety valve on these pressure cookers that can tell us right away that this is going to be bad. Because once, you know, it seeps out, we see the liquid starting to, to come out very strongly, start gushing out. Before it starts, like, exploding, we're able to move it somewhere else, right? Unplug it, take it somewhere else so that we don't have a whole mess in our kitchen. And we can make an adjustment in that way. And we can contain it. And we can make sure we get enough towels to catch all the, the mess that we just created. And in, in a way, that's how prayer works, you know. Dangerous things have safety valves because without it, things would just explode. So when we pray wrongly motivated prayers, God releases that valve and metaphorically gets rid of the wrongly, wrongly motivated prayers and doesn't answer them because if he didn't, our world, our lives would 
most likely implode. He doesn't allow for things that are not agreeable to his will, that are not according to his will. So prayer would be dangerous without this, without the safety valve. If we had everything we asked for, we'd be in trouble. It reminded me of the movie Bruce Almighty. Um, it's an old movie. Some of you may have seen it. It's starring Jim Carrey. And uh, it's a, I think it's a perfect example of this, where he, Jim Carrey is Bruce, and he temporarily becomes God. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, and he lives in Buffalo, of all places, and he's the God of Buffalo. But anyway, he gets really uh, annoyed because he hears people's prayers, and he's like, like annoyed because he can hear just all these prayers in his head. And, and so he's like, oh, like, what do I do? And then he realizes he has to answer them. And so um, because he doesn't want to address every prayer individually, he's like, oh, it's going to take too much time. Um, it'd just be never-ending. He was like, you know what? I'm just going to say yes to all of them. So all, everyone's prayer, yes. And you can imagine what happens. Afterwards, there's absolute chaos. I think people are rioting because there were like, you know, 10,000 lottery winners. And so people are like, I only got $17 for my lottery, whatever, you know, and they're like rioting on the streets, there's looting, there are floods, basically destroys the city. And that's probably what would happen if God had answered yes to all of our prayers. Because if we're honest, we don't always want things that are actually good for us, right? So humanity cannot screw up God's plan. We cannot mess it up. He is sovereign over all. And we take comfort in knowing that our prayers have power so the Spirit moves in them, but ultimately, God is there to determine it. It's not determined by us. It's determined by God. And when we don't get what we want, we actually have to realize that it is indeed God giving us something better. So when we pray, we are to pray asking God to do what he has already promised to do, things that are according to his will, which means we pray for God to do his work through us. So actually, the, the point of prayer is we pray for the work of the gospel. At the heart of our prayer, that is what we are to do. That's why we pray for forgiveness. As Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, we see in uh, verse 4 of our passage, that God would lead us into repentance, to turn away from our sins, and be led from, away from temptation and, away f- and delivered from evil, which he ultimately promised us through Jesus that we are forgiven of our sins through him, and that we have victory over sin through him. And now the work of the gospel can transform us because of Jesus' victory. And, get, and, and that's what we pray about. That's what prayer is about, for God to bring people to him through Jesus. Then that leads us to forgive others as well, and we show them this amazing gospel uh, by not only converting, as Jeff mentioned last week, but we bless them. All of that is for his will to advance the kingdom, to go and make disciples of all nations. So God commits to answer that prayer. So that is at the heart of what we are to pray, to pray for the work of the gospel. When we pray in this way, because what God is telling us to pray is summed up in this way. So let us begin with prayer. Before we do anything else, we pray for people We pray for the people around us. We pray for opportunities for God to open up doors, to lay the groundwork for God to move in their hearts. And he uses our prayers for that purpose. Prayer is the means in which God uses us to participate in this activity, in his work, and is the means by which God actually moves 
And things change when we pray. So how do we know God will answer our prayer when we pray for opportunities to make disciples and we pray for certain individuals to be open to hear God's truth? Because it is according to his will. God wills for those to know him, to believe in him, to trust him, to follow him. That is God's ultimate will for humanity. So of course God will open up opportunities. Of course God will give you opportunities to share the gospel and bring people to you and allow you to share his love and grace. That will happen if we seek it out, if we do it, if we pray. Those things will come. It may not be every day. It may not be like, you know, a hundred people, a thousand people. It only may be a few people in your life. But eventually God will use you if you pray for it, if you act on it, if you do it. God will use you because it is according to his will. Now, again, that doesn't mean everyone you talk to will be saved. doesn't mean that um, everyone will know Jesus because the Bible tells us some will reject and some will not believe you. And in those moments, we are called to simply move on, to brush our shoulders off and move on. So prayer doesn't quite work like that. Doesn't, it's not a magical tool. But if we are doing it often, if we do it earnestly, and we seek opportunities, God will answer our prayers. To give one example, I had a friend uh, who had prayed for another friend to come to know Jesus. So this is an older guy, and he had prayed for his friend to, for 15 years. And after 15 years, one day that friend became just a little bit more interested in knowing the faith and learning about Jesus and Christianity. Now, it doesn't mean he was saved or converted even at that moment. It took 15 years for him to just be open to Christianity. God works in his own time. He doesn't work according to our time. God works in his own time. And personally, there were situations in college where we prayed for friends, and, and eventually some of them would come to know Jesus. And God answered those prayers in weeks or months. So if we have this rhythm of prayer, if we do this, especially praying for those who do not know Jesus, God will use that prayer in some way. It may not even be you who directly helps them to know Jesus. They may find it some other time in their life. They may grow up and, and they might go to another church, find another friend who brings them to know Jesus. You never know how God will move. But God is using your prayers and the daily rhythms of your life that we'll learn more about in our series to usher in the kingdom of God. And the only reason why prayer works at all is because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Pastor Tim Keller, he's an author and, and pastor, and he says this about why we know prayer works in his book, and he wrote a book on prayer, and this is a quote from it. He says this, We know God will answer us when we call because one terrible day he did not answer Jesus when he called. Jesus' prayers were given the rejection that we sinners merit so that our prayers could have the reception that he merits. Jesus was rejected so that we can be reconciled to God. Now we can pray and encounter him in a way that we couldn't before. We can encounter God because of Jesus. God hears us because of Jesus. So let us now use this privilege that we have to pray, to pray passionately, to pray daily, to pray whenever we can. Again, I know it's not a rhythm for many of us to pray often, 
But let us do what we can to make, make it so in our lives. When we do our Bible readings, let us ensure that we are praying. When we are in our commutes, when we are driving, let us pray for our day, day of work or day of school. When we go home, let us pray that those we've met throughout the day would have, you would create opportunities for God to speak through it or that God would bless it in some way. And pray while you're in line for lunch in the cafeteria, while you're at lunch with your coworkers. And I remember I would do that in school. I would literally just pray online while I'm waiting for food and, and praying for, for my classmates and, and praying for others. And there are so many resources out there on helping you how to pray, to how to articulate prayer, because I know some of us have a hard time even just praying to God. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. There are so many resources out there for you to know how to pray. There are so many books and articles and templates that teach you how to pray. Even just praying the Lord's Prayer all the time, that is a beautiful way to pray daily, to to have that memorized, to have that a daily part of your life. And so I encourage all of you to, to memorize the Lord's Prayer and to pray that if you don't know if you don't have any other way to pray. Or you can even write out your prayers. If you're not articulate with your speech, you can write them out and, can, and pray through it in that way and be more intentional about prayer. And make sure you're praying with others as well. Pray with your spouses. Pray with your families. Have a time of family worship where you can praise God and pray for those in your family and pray those, for those around you. Let us fill our day with prayer. So, so much so that it just becomes a part of what we do. Just like eating or going to school, going to work, just like being with friends and, and neighbors, may prayer be a part of our everyday life. So if you're still not sure that prayer actually works, uh, let me just leave you with one last quote from Tim Keller's book that I just mentioned. And he says this, Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. Prayer is the key to everything. It's the process in how we actually change and draw closer to him and live, live as disciples and disciple makers because we commune with him and worship him and see that his ways are better than our ways. And so if you want to change, if you want to see more of Jesus in your life and if you want more and more people to know Jesus and if you want to experience his presence, then pray. Prayer is the way God changes us. God uses our prayers. And may the Lord help all of us to pray, to praise and worship our God, for he is holy, and to pray that those around us would come to know and believe in God's holiness and ultimately know what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. May that be how we pray and what we pray each and every day. So with that, I actually want to take a moment here for us to pray right now to begin this process of God working in your, in your heart to transform you so that prayer would become a rhythm in your life. So if we could just bow our heads and take a moment to pray on our own and ask God to help us, this ha- help us to have this habit of prayer, that God would help you to think of places and opportunities to make a prayer a rhythm of your life because 
we know the power of prayer and how God changes us and the things around us through prayer. And if you're not a Christian, we're glad you're here and we hope that you see a glimpse of this amazing opportunity that we have to encounter God and commune with him in prayer through Jesus. And you can pray too. And you can just simply come as you are and just ask God to open your heart. Open your heart to see, to believe, and ask God to help you see the truth. And we believe that God will hear your prayer also. And one more thing for the rest of us, I thought we could also pray for an opportunity to pray for someone, to think of someone in our lives because we want to pray uh, with disciple-making in mind. We want to pray for an opportunity uh, to, to love and bless someone in our life. And I know some of you have been doing this in life groups already, but do that now to, to pray for someone in your life that does not know Jesus and pray for opportunities to share with them, to love them, to bless them, that they would be open to hearing the truth and knowing the truth as well. This could be a friend, a family member, and let's, let's pray for them as well. Pray for their hearts to be open. So let's take a minute to, to pray for those things, and then I'll close this time with prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to learn to pray, to know, to know how to pray, to realize that we pray to worship you, to give praise to you. And Lord, the more we pray, the more we see your presence in us. So God, help us. Help us to see this more and more in our lives. And help us to see the truth of you, who you are, and Lord, may it transform us through our prayers. So God, give us this habit of prayer. Help us to find opportunities to pray. And also to pray for others. To love others. Because Lord, the purpose of prayer is to, to expand the work of the gospel. That is the things that we are to pray for. To, for the gospel to work in our own hearts and to work in the hearts of those around us. So God, lead us to pray more and more for, for others, for you to work in our hearts, to work in the hearts of others, and that, Lord, you would do your work through us as a church in our lives. God, help us. May we begin with prayer. May we begin right now as we come to you in prayer. Transform us, move us, lead us, O oh Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.